0: Near 80% of the time. And she's here. <clears throat> Brother Green, we're so glad that you're here. Many times we've referred to you as the as the evangelists of this church. And uh, and we are ready to hear the word of the Lord. These people are ready. Come, share with us the word of the Lord. God bless. Thank you, Pastor. <laughs> Praise
1: the Lord again, everybody. Amen. There's a little bit of an electricity in the air tonight, an expectation and a faith. And honestly, I feel a little crazy in the spirit. I hope that's all right. We want to be led of the Holy Ghost. If Holy Ghost is making me a little crazy, then, then that's what we need in the house today. <laughs> Such a thrill to be back with you in revival. High honor, as always, to our friend and your pastor Uh, Bishop and pastor and all their families and wives and brides and children. And and you just got all kind of ministry and all kind of wonderful families. God has blessed you richly. And we will honor them more in the next uh, couple of services. Would you join with me in standing to your feet and looking at Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, early in the ministry of Christ. Beginning at verse 1. So good to have Lois here, glad my wife is here and she's, actually she doesn't go to that many, she's about 40% or so right now that she goes to, so she goes where she loves to go. I hope I didn't get in trouble there. Mark chapter 2 verse 1, and again Jesus entered into Capernaum after some days and it was noised that he was in the house. Some places I'd preach, they'd say, he was up in him, and straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door, and he preached the word unto them. And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, their faith, when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why did this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? Duh, right? Verse 8. And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. (laughs) Do you love that? I've got an expectation in my spirit tonight. That when we leave this place in just a short time, we'll be shaking our heads and saying, wow, we never seen it quite like that. We've never been in anything quite like that. Amazing and glorifying God never saw it quite like that. I'm preaching from this title, Four of a Kind Trumps a Full House. Born of four, the house is full. But four with one mindset, four of a kind, can trump a full house. God bless you. You may be seated. There are several natural desires that God has created every man and woman in this world with. Several natural desires. Now, mankind wants to twist these natural desires, and use it for sinful pleasures or things of the world, etc. Let me just jump right in so you'll know what I'm speaking about. One thing that God created all of us with is a hunger for heroism. We want to find a hero somewhere, somehow, and finding that hero, lift them up. This is why in our world, Marvel Comics makes multi-zillions of dollars off of superhero creatures that are fictitious. And maybe it's DC Comics as well, but you know, Superman who can leap a building in a single bound and Fly, fly faster than a speeding bullet. He's Superman. And Spidey who got bit by a radioactive spider became a nerd that now can sense things that a spider can. And superhuman strength. Because, Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about there? I feel like I'm just reciting something from my third grade book report. We have Mighty Mouse. I'm trying hard to reach you somewhere there. We've got all of these characters and these creatures, and there's literally millions upon billions and trillions of dollars that are made off Fantastic Four, and you name whatever character might be popular today, because within us is this desire that we want to find something that is supernatural, some place that is bigger than the normal, and in finding that, we want to worship it. It's why we've got this distortion in our world today. And I know it's Super Bowl weekend, but we've got this distortion because we call people who are athletic heroes. Amazing that we do that. And the kinds of money that these heroes make is astronomical. No, it is ridiculous. Because we have made heroes out of them. No one can throw a football like that. No one can run like that. No one can hit a baseball like that. And because they are athletic, we have somehow put them in a position of heroes, and it's almost worship. Mankind is created by God with a pursuit of heroes and heroism and worship, and man uses it for other things. But the reason why God put this in our heart, it's not so that we would make heroes out of actors or Hollywood or football players or Spider-Man, but it's to find one who can do what nobody else can do. Because only Jesus can wash away your sins. Only Jesus can heal you and make you whole again. So God put that desire in us to find this hero in our Lord, and to worship him. Man uses for other things. So now you're seeing what I'm speaking about, natural desires that man uses for other things. And There is another desire, and that is within all of us a pursuit and a hunger to find true love. I'm talking about true love, T-R-U-L-U-V, true love, the real stuff, true love. And again, Hollywood is making multiplied billions of dollars off of sometimes fictitious stories that are acted out by people that don't even like each other. Sometimes they don't even like that particular sex. And they still act it out. And we will lose ourselves in pursuit of stories that seemingly take us on roller coaster rides of found love, lost love, found again love, and riding off in the sunset happily ever after. The Romeo and the Juliet's and the Cleopatra's and all these individuals will get consumed with. And if we're not careful, we'll miss the real meaning God put within us, a hunger for true love. No greater love hath any man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. That at Calvary's hill the greatest love story is demonstrated to us. So when we see the mercy and the grace of God reach to us and draw us into relationship, it would make us want to find that true love. So, God created these things in us. The world uses it for other reasons. There is another thing that we have naturally within us that the world uses it for other reasons and it's a well it's uh well it's a, well, it's, a, it's a little wanting to get jiggy with the music the dance and I, I know we're so holy, holier than that for sure, but even while we were singing our apostolic, we were getting our little Pentecostal rock on. And we, we were, because something naturally within us, that when the music plays, we want to move. We want to dance. We want to somehow move to the rhythm, to the beat of the music. I was... Um, Am I really going to do this, baby? I I was in Applebee's the other day. And I couldn't even hear myself think because the music was pretty loud. I think this was after church service. Right out of the presence of God and into Applebee's. Can you imagine? And they were playing, uh, you know, 80s, one of my old beats, if you know what I'm talking about. Maybe 70s even. And as I am sitting there, I realize that without thinking, I had already gotten my foot tapping on the ground there. You know, pastors across the table, he's wondering what's going on with me. And then I'm snapping my fingers. And before I know it, I'm banging my head on the table. Hot bloody check it and see. I said Walmart the other day. You, you know in Walmart, they play the music designed to either keep you there or run you out. And they'll be playing Christmas songs in October the first to get you thinking about gifts and stuff and you'll be getting jiggy with a little bitty shopping cart and and the music is just driving you realize you're past the fruit loops, so you got to do a little moonwalk back into fruit loops. <laughs> It's just who we are, but long before they were doing the mashed potato, the twist, and the si doe, long before Cotton Eye Joe and line dancing, the Bible says that David danced before the Lord with all of his heart, and it was pleasing unto God. I hope that we never get too sophisticated, that we forget there's a dance called kara, a Hebrew word. It's a praise that God loves. He loves when we dance with him. He loves when we get loose and begin to give expression of joy and praise to him in the dance. I'm not apologizing yet, but I told you I was feeling just a little crazy. I have another Reasoning for you that God created mankind with and we use it for other things. And that's uh, that's gambling. That's, that's this. It's the desire to make seemingly a small and insignificant for a huge reward. Just a small investment and making a small investment want to get a huge reward. Now I'll be honest with you. I... I don't know a lot about gambling, but uh, what I've learned about gambling, most of what I know, I learned from an old troubadour that taught me this about gambling. Every gambler knows that the secret to survival is knowing what to throw away and knowing what to keep. I don't know much about gambling, but every hand's a winner and every hand's a loser. The best you can hope for is to die in your sleep. I, you gotta know, never count your money sitting at the table. Time enough for counting when the dealing's done. I, I don't know a lot about gambling, but what I do, I learn from, you know, Brother Kenneth Rogers, and he, I did some. Uh, Studying and found out what Miss Google had to say. You you know it's a woman because she knows everything. And Miss Google said this, that there is a better chance. This is concerning the lottery. There's a better chance of you being in a car accident, a plane wreck, and struck by lightning twice than winning the lottery. That seems like poor odds to me. In fact, if the numbers range from 0 to 99 in the seven-number lottery, the chances of you winning is 1 in 14,887,031,544. You realize there's not even 8 billion people in the world, but the chance you win in this is 1 in 14,887,031,544. In fact, if you're in the house today and you're expecting Anybody going to admit that you're just that guy in the back? We're not going to look at that one. The chances of you having quadruplets—that's four. The chances of you having quadruplets is one in seven hundred and five thousand. <laughs> but the chance you win the lottery is one in fourteen billion eight hundred eighty-seven million thirty-one thousand five hundred forty-four. If you happen to eat oysters. The chance of you finding a pearl within the oyster is one in 12,000 oysters. That's sounding pretty good. Isn't it? Of course, you eat 12,000 oysters, you won't be able to keep your socks up for a lifetime. <laughs> but if you find one pearl, one in 12,000. But the chance you win in the lottery, one in 31,544. In fact, this is a statistical truth. If you take a rope 1,257 feet long and form it in a circle, now that is over four football fields long. Take a rope over four football fields long and move it into a perfect circle. Take one grain of sand and randomly drop it in that circle. Close your eyes, spin around, get blindfolded, totally disorient yourself. Take one more grain of sand, stumble into that huge circle, and the chance of you dropping that second grain of sand right on top of the first grain of sand is equal to you winning this lottery. That's a statistical truth based on how long the rope is. Over four football fields long. Wow. So I just assumed that if I had the option of investing a dollar in a mega lottery or investing a dollar in the kingdom of God, I think I have an understanding of what I should do with it. So I don't know a lot about gambling and these crazy statistics that I have read. But this I do know. Within me is this hunger and desire to want to invest what little bit that I am. What little bit of worship that I've got. I, I want to go all in. I, I want to put it all on the table. I, I want to cash it all in. In the hopes that somehow I'm going to spend eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to just go for it. In hopes that if I will, there will be a revival that is poured out in this place. I want to give it my all and see what God, what God will do. I know the Lord loves those who have a halal praise, who will rant and rave at the top of their lungs, who will sell out to God, not my will, but thine be done, who will bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that's within me, bless his holy name. And I also know this, four of a kind trumps a full house. Not just because that might be the rules of poker, I'm not even really sure. But because that's what we see here in Mark chapter 2. So get the picture. This is very early in the ministry of Jesus. And he has been to Capernaum immediately after calling his disciples. Peter and Andrew left their nets. James and John left Zebedee their father. And now they're following Jesus. And he takes them to Capernaum. And there he delivers a man who is possessed and Capernaum wakes up to the supernatural happening among them. Jesus actually has to go out in the wilderness there to minister because the crowds are so large. And then he comes back into the city of Capernaum, but this time he's not in the market or in the streets. He goes to Simon Andrew's place of abode, and there the mother-in-law of Simon is there at the house. So, when they hear, when the town hears that Jesus is in the house, up in here, then they go to where Jesus is. How would you like to host the whole town at your house? Unannounced. <laughs> Unprepared. Jesus is there, so the whole town wants to see what is going on. And as they are there, it seems to be that um, everyone wants to see him, everyone needs a miracle, and the house has gotten full quickly. Now, I'm assuming that because of respect and reverence, the leaders of the synagogue had the sofas and the couch, maybe. Maybe the mayor of the city has the recliner. and People are, it's a house. It's a house. It's not a church. It's a house. And people are stacked into the place until every opening in that house is filled with a head, with an ear, somebody trying to hear. The Bible says there's no room in the house, full house. There's not even room around the door. Can you imagine any windows that are in the house are just pasted with nine heads that are trying to see in? The doors must be the same with people on their knees and others standing up trying to look into the house to see what is going on. And Jesus is teaching them the word of God, teaching them the word of God. And so, as he is preaching, there is an individual in the town that has four friends. Now, I'm not going to preach the typical rip the roof off today. I'm going somewhere I think that we'll need to hear. There are four friends in the house that have a fifth friend that is paralyzed and bedridden. And so, these four friends decide we will get our friend to Jesus. So, each of them pay the cost take the responsibility to do whatever we've got to do to get our friend to Jesus. And they take the effort, they take the, the time, and they each pick corner of a cot up, and they carry him to the house of Simon and Andrew. But when they get there, it's full. They can't get in the house. There looks like a line even outside the door hoping that someone gets a phone call or Has to go to the bathroom. They're going to take their place. Everything is full, but they're standing out the door. It looks like like Black Friday after Thanksgiving. Hanging at the doors waiting. And as they arrive, they realize no way to get in the house. So maybe they began to tell people, look how severe our need is. Our friend is paralyzed. Can we get ups? Come on, give us a break. Let us up. But it doesn't matter how sick or how hurt or maybe little compassion, nobody will give them ups. So the friends began to think out of the box, and they decide that they will go to the top of the roof and begin to see if there isn't an entranceway there. Now you've got to realize, in the custom of the times in agriculture or the architecture of the day, this is pretty common because they would build the rooftops solid enough to be a second story. But they would put no roof over it. And so it was for times of pretty weather. Perhaps they would socialize on the roof. Or perhaps they would put the kids up there to sleep for the night or something. This is common. In fact, if you look in the scriptures, the writing tells us that when you build this parapet, build a fence or a rail around it. It's in the Word of God. So this is absolutely what was happening in their architectural time. And so thinking that there might be an inner stairway is not out of the question. Thinking that there might be some trap door and a rope down would be fairly reasonable. But when they do whatever they've got to do to get on top of that roof, there's no trap door. There's no inner staircase. And so they decide that they are going to make an executive decision Let's remodel Simon Andrews' house without his permission. No inspector signing off on the codes or anything. I don't know what material or equipment or tools they had to get, but they decide they are going to tear a hole in the roof. Now, surely they weren't thinking, hey, let's tear a hole in the roof and daddle." Obviously, they were thinking whatever damage we cause, we're going to have to take care of later. (laughs) So they've got to pay even a greater cost than what they thought. Now, you've got to realize what's happening down in the house. Because here are all these, you know, scribes and Pharisees looking so pious. And all of a sudden, because they're carrying a heavy weight, it sounds like elephants up on the roof. Who's up on the roof? And Jesus is teaching in a house, and he doesn't have a microphone. Can you imagine? Without a microphone. So he's speaking and teaching to them, and any mu- noise in the house is just distracting and making it difficult to hear what Jesus is saying. Now they're trumpeting on the roof like some kind of elephant. Then to make matters worse, they began to rip off the roof. It's their ceiling, right? So with whatever tools that they're ripping this roof open with, now there has to be dust and debris, construction matter that's falling into their hair. As they sit on the couch listening to Jesus. So if they were disturbed by the noise, now they are more than annoyed. And Jesus is trying to teach. It doesn't say that Jesus stopped or he commanded, hey, ushers, get up there and find out what's going on. He he just went on teaching. Until they finally received or were able to make a hole in the roof that had to have been at least five, six foot by maybe two feet. And when they got it that large, they lowered their friend down on ropes into the middle of the room. Isn't that interesting? The house... Is full but when a need that desperate comes all of a sudden there's just enough room for that kind of need and the Bible says that Jesus saw their faith that's the dudes up on the roof he didn't say I see your faith son the man on the cot he looks at those on the roof and says, I see their faith. And because of their faith, you got to get this, because of their faith, he turned to the man on the cot and said, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Now that is be ministered to by God. But he has an ulterior motive here because he wants the scribes and the Pharisees to understand that he is the Savior. He has come to save And when those that are in the couches and the recliners are indignant and they're saying, how dare he say, thy sins be forgiven thee. Only God can forgive sins. God in flesh right there speaking that. Well, Jesus turns to them and perceiving what they said, he says, okay, in your estimation, What would be easier? What would be greater for you to see and believe? What is the bigger miracle for you? If I say to him, thy sins be forgiven thee, or if I say to this man, take up thy bed and walk? Which is the greater? Now, obviously for them, it was something they could see, something they could put their hands on. When he says, thy sins be forgiven thee, how can they validate that by just sitting there and watching that, hearing what he has to say? Even if they felt something, how could they validate it? So their faith is tied into what they see in the miraculous that lets them know that what he has said for sins is true. God still does this kind of stuff. He loves to heal us. He loves to bless us. He loves to demonstrate himself because when he does, he gives us confidence that he's our Savior. And so now he turns to the man having spoken to the scribes and Pharisees that you may know the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He speaks to the man on the cot, "Son, stand up, take up your bed, go to your own house." And the boy rose out of his cot. Can you imagine the dancing on the roof and the debris that's fallen? <laughs> excited for what God has done because of their faith. And the boy rolls out of his cot, picks up his bed. Now the house is full. They can't pack any more people in. But somehow the waters part like the Red Sea. And this boy holding his cot, not shimmying back up the rope, holding his cot, walks out the front door. And everyone that he sees wants to know, hey, didn't we just see you be carried to the roof? didn't we just see you get lower to the roof what's your testimony and that long line Black Friday there everybody wants to hear his testimony as he's going back to his house this lets us know without a doubt four of a kind can trump a full house. So if you have a full house of a bad diagnosis, just let four of a kind trumpet it. If you've got a bad economy idea, then just let four of a kind trumpet it. If all the situations and testimony is in your life is negative, you've got hope in the house because four of a kind still trumps a full house. I was preaching in Beloit, Wisconsin. And she came up for prayer, precious lady of God, precious lady of God. I'm imagining she was maybe 70 or so. And she came up to the front and motioned to me, and I went over to listen to her. And she said, uh, I've been to the doctor, and they tell me that I have cancer in my saliva gland. I'd never heard of that at the time, that you get cancer in your saliva gland. But I said, okay. And she said, this is what I know. God is a healer. And though I've been prayed for before, I believe that I should pray again for healing. And I went to get a little bit of oil, just one or two steps from where she was at, and walked back over to her to anoint her with oil and pray the prayer of faith. In the meantime, there was a precious saint from this side that had gotten up and come behind her. And that individual laid her hands on her back and was, Whoo! And before I could get back to her, there was another precious lady from this side that came and was standing behind her, and she was feeling the anointing already shaking. Jesus' name, Jesus' name. There were two more before I could even anoint her with oil, two more that came up and were laying hands on her. And I stepped back and looked, and these four ladies' prayer was ushering down an anointing of healing, and I hadn't even anointed with oil, and I haven't even prayed for her yet. Because if you can get four precious saints of God uh, believing that He is a healer and a miracle, it doesn't matter what the full house of diagnosis is; uh, it can trump that full house. <clears throat> I was in the Midwest preaching, and the Holy Ghost was moving in the middle of my message. And a gentleman sitting on the very far back, and I pointed to him, "Stop preaching completely," and pointed to him, "Sir, you want the Holy Ghost, don't you?" And, and he looked around like, you talking to me? You talking to me? No, not, not that bad. You talking to me? I said, yeah, you. And he said, well, well, yes. And when I began to speak to him, the whole church went silent. It was like, huh. because I told him, if you'll get up right now and come down to the front, God is going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. What I didn't know, thank the Lord for this, is that he had been seeking the Holy Ghost for 18 years. He had worn out the saints of the Most High God, praying for him over and over. He had finally given up, thinking that he was not going to get the Holy Ghost for whatever reason it might be. So he decided just to live for God as best he could in repentance and just hope for the best, right? He felt like he couldn't get it. And all of a sudden, when the Holy Ghost directed me to speak to him and come down to the front, he he was like, okay. And the church was like, oh, no. We're going to have a failure in the house. Is God really going to do You know how we do. He came down to the front. He's standing there, and he said, okay, I'm ready for the Holy Ghost. I said, well, God's given me a word of wisdom for you. If you will jump as high as you can, And if you will shout the name of Jesus as loud as you can, you're going to get the Holy Ghost. He said, that's what I've got to do? I said, that's it? you just got to do it three times, as loud and as high as you can. And he said, well, okay. And he kind of hung his head, and and he jumped kind of like this, and he said, hallelujah. And I said, sir, is that as loud as you can shout? I was embarrassing him. Is that as high as you can jump? And he said, well, well, no, I can jump a little higher. I said, you've got to jump as high as you can and shout as loud as you can. He said, well, okay, and he a little bit better. Hallelujah. And I said, oh, come on, my grandma jumps higher than that. I really did tell him that. You've got to jump as high, you've got to shout as loud. But the young men were sitting right there behind him. And their faith started stirring. And I watched about four or five of them step out. And they started jumping high. Their heads were coming close to that short roof. And they were jumping high. And they were shouting, ha! Hallelujah. And when that man turned around and seen these four or five jumping, he leapt his feet as high as he could. He shouted as loud as he could. Hallelujah. And before he could, Hallelujah, he was speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God give the utterance. Because four of a kind can trump a full house of pride. i was down in louisiana is this okay i was down in louisiana preaching and i had a message that i was (laughs) those preachers will understand this i i was excited about preaching god giving it to me i was anointed to preach it and i was like just quit singing so i can preach and uh, finally they got the pulpit and i was preaching about faith and even from this same topic about God could do a work. And if there were just, if there were just some people that could believe and have faith. And, and I am actually down in the middle of the aisle preaching when the back double doors of the sanctuary burst open. Now Every once in a while when you're preaching, you know, someone will slip in. And sit on the back pew perhaps not want to be disturbed. It wasn't like that. It's like they came and kicked both the double door, and they swung back and hit the wall. In fact, everybody in the sanctuary turned to look. Me too. (laughs) And I began to realize I had just lost the attention of everybody in the place. So I was going to do what Pentecostal preachers do. You see, when a distraction happens, what we do is become more distracting than the distraction. And I decided I would jump on the front pew and wah, try to get somebody's attention. But before I could do that, in through the doors that were resounding against the wall came a mama. She was pushing maybe a 13-year-old boy. His face was red from fever. And she come running right toward me. I'm standing in the middle of the aisle. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, Lord, just have him right there on that last pew and We'll get, I'm preaching a message, and this is going to be a good one, right? You know, but she doesn't stop at this last pew. In fact, when she gets to the last pew, her and her boy and I think her daughter, older daughter that was trailing them, come to the last pew, and grandma, who comes to church all the time, is sitting there. Grandma jumps up, and now the four of them are coming like a stampede down the middle aisle. I realize that I have to get out of the way or get run over, so. I come run up to the pulpit, pastor had already seen what was happening, and grabbed the oil. They got down to the front. When we anointed that 13-year boy's head, his fever was so hot, you could feel it burning on your hand as we prayed for this. We began to pray for him, the church. Message is gone, right? I already ruined it, so I can't preach it there again, but you know, I preached half of it, so that's good. And... We are praying for him. The church is caught on in fire of the Holy Ghost is upon people. Faith is happening. And even as we're praying for him, we can feel his fever it's, it's receding. It's receding. It's leaving. I spoke to the mama. Do you have a thermometer? Go out and get it. I want you to see what God is doing. She came back in. It had been about 10 minutes since we prayed for him. The fever that had been 103, 104 was now down to one hundred. About 10 more minutes, they checked his fever. It was down to 98.6, which she said is the normal temperature for this boy. In a matter of 15, 20 minutes or so, God had completely healed him. Outside, she has a station wagon still running. Where they had opened the doors and ran in, as you saw, ran in to get a prayer for this boy. (laughs) She said, well, I'm going to run to the doctor and see... You know just in case and see and I'm not sure what she was saying she's going to do that for. but They got in the car and altar service is happening and she takes off. Fifteen minutes later, they're coming back in the door. And she's saying, what am I thinking? I've already been to the hospital six times over the last two weeks. And his temperature keeps spiking, keeps receding and spiking again. She said, nothing has helped more than just a few moments of time. But here I've been one hour in the church with my grandma, where my mom goes, where his grandma goes. And God has already healed him. There's absolutely no fever. He's feeling well and wants to play. And the Holy Ghost reminded me that grandma, the boy, his mama, who is not even a believer, and the older daughter, that is not a repentant individual. But when four of a kind come together, it can trump a full house of what the doctors are saying. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know what could happen. They came back to church that Sunday of the revival service. And he went to his Sunday school class and he said, I don't know if you've ever been healed. This is what he's telling all his friends, all the people in the Sunday school class. And he's a visitor, right? I don't know if you've ever been healed. But if you've been sick and God has touched you, I'm telling you, God can do anything. They actually prayed two people through the Holy Ghost in their Sunday school. I'm trying to tell you that four of a kind will trump a full house. Last story, I was a young person raised in apostolic Pentecostal church service, and I had my ups, and I had my downs, but I can remember this particular day, I'm guessing I was uh, 16, 17, we were hanging around before church, not in the prayer room like we should have been, but guys just hanging around talking about what's going to happen, whether sports, Women, you know, guys talk about things. And Doug Shorter comes up to us. Now, I will admit that I was pretty carnal, right? I, I, was, I was about as spiritual as that door. But, but Doug Shorter was like two doors, right? And Doug, he came up to us and said, Boys, tonight is the night. I'm going to get right with God. I'm going down to that altar God's going to refill with the Holy Ghost. I'm going to live for God like I should have been living. Tonight's the night, and we said, Yeah, Bubba. We know it is. There's no way it's Doug, right? No way. He said, I tell you what, when they first begin to start church service and the songs begin to play, he said, I'm going to move right then. I'm going to jump out of my seat, and I'm going to start running around that church with everything I've got to, and give praise to glory of God and see what God will do. And we said, oh, yeah, that's right. We know you're going to do that, Dougie." He said, well, if I do it, will you do it with me? Sure, Bubba. There's no way Douglas is doing this. Yes, we are right behind you, man. We are going to be there for you. We forgot all about it in the 10 minutes before church started, right? Forgot all about Douglas. And our pastor at the time had all the young men sitting on this side of the church in the first five or six pews and all the young ladies on this side. He just thought that we'd concentrate better on things of God when there was no curly hair in front of us, right? And so uh, we are beginning to start church service. And and Sister Sister is up there on the organ, and she's just been like, you know, And all of a sudden, here we go for church service. And she starts off with a song. And Dougie jumps up. And he takes off running right across the front and down this aisle. And we're like, hey, look at that. Oh, no. He's a good eight steps around the auditorium. And Sister Rosser is playing the amazing grace. It's, and it is the slowest rendition of amazing grace you've ever heard. Amazing. I mean, she's just hanging on every note. And I think when she saw Doug jump up and begin to run, it, it just confused her. Confused all of us, Right. Zine grace. and I'm thinking that goober what's he doing he's not he doesn't have anything for God he'll be backslid before the church service is over and I'm thinking all kind of things and this is what I'm thinking you know what I know I told him that I would run with him but hey I'm not doing so hot so I'll just lie i It's what I was thinking. But then then something deep inside me that wanted to give it a try, that wanted to gamble and just go for it and see if I could destroy my pride and worship God with everything I've got. If I could do this, something began to well up in me that I could give him praise like I never had before. And so I jumped to my feet, and I took off after Douglas. I knew I could catch slow-footed Douglas. And so I took off with everything I got, cutting it halfway up the wall, getting around the first corner. And to my surprise, as I turned the corner and looked, out behind me, here came Greg. Greg. Door and a half Greg, right? And Stevie... And here we were. Danny Sharp came out. He'd already taken his shoes off because country boy don't run with shoes on. Here come Danny Sharp. And the four or five of us taking off around the church. Sister Rosser, bless her heart. Had she got to somewhere around gray and she gave up. She just, she just got off the organ and went back, threw her hands up there, the air, started speaking in tongues. And by the time we got around the first corner over here where the young ladies were sitting, they were like this. Because <laughs> this doesn't make sense. And we made the first lap. And by the time we were in the second lap, the church began to realize we ain't having church like we always do. Not tonight. Because there's about four or five young men that decided we're getting a hold of God. We don't care if it's the right beat, the right music. We're not aware of whatever's going on in the church service. There is a full schedule already printed. It doesn't matter. There's a preacher that has studied and prepared. It didn't matter. There were singers and praise, singers and musicians that had practiced. It didn't matter. We had come to give it all and get a hold of God. And by the time we got around the second time, the girls weren't standing there amazed at these crazy guys. But their hands were in the air, tears running down their face as they're praying the Spirit. And I watched one young lady, Charlotte, as she got out and she got in the front and she started doing her dance and we had to dodge her as we come by. And the power of God began to fall upon the young ladies. And there was Lori came out. Lori had a beautiful dance. She could dance and she had a beautiful countenance when she worshipped God. And then here came Dee Dee. As she came after her. And then there was an angel that swept out from the ladies. He had an ethereal glow on top of her head. Okay, it was Lois, but to me it looked a little bit like an angel. And the church began to worship. The church began to praise. That night there was no singing, there was no preaching, there wasn't no offering taken, believe it or not. But it lasted hours. and Young people were drunk in the spirit. Had to be carried out of the church service. Backsliders ran down to the front to receive a renewing of the Holy Ghost. The joy of the Lord began to fall upon people. A man that had ringing in his ear and lost his hearing began to hear miracles are happening everywhere, every place. Because four of a kind trump a full house. If we can just get about four of us that decide, you know what? Jesus is coming soon. And if we're ever going to get militant about our worship, about our praise, about our testimony, if if just about four or five could decide that healing, that healings could happen in this place tonight, and that the prayer faith and the intercession be If just about four or five could decide that we're not going home until our friend receives the gift of the Holy Ghost. If just about four or five decided that we'll start an intercession and our youth group will never be the same again. If just four or five begin to decide that we can turn this place upside down with our worship and our prayer. Stand with me all over the house. Because four of a kind... (laughs) Where are the four intercessors in the house that aren't afraid to lift up their voice as the leadership begins to respond to the anointing of God? Come on intercessors You can break us through Into where we need to be in this revival Hey (laughs) Where are the young people that will use their energy And their zeal for a dance For a jump For a shout Woo Come on there's about
0: four of you (laughs)
1: Come on young people I'm challenging you in the Holy Ghost It's time to get past your pride It's time to get past your peer pressure It's time to decide It's the chance to worship God To dance, to shout, to lift your voice Where are those that are just under teens that are ready to pray in the Holy Ghost?
0: <sighs> <laughs>
1: yeah It's electric in the house today. All right, Gods give me a word of wisdom. If you need the Holy Ghost, whether you've had it for a long time and you just need a renewal or maybe you've never had it, if you'll come down to the front right now, there's about four or five people of prayer and faith that will lay hands on you and you're going to find a renewing in the Holy Ghost. You want to come right now, don't hesitate. Right here, right here. Come on, is there four or five that will lay hands on somebody and just let a renewal happen? There you go. There you go. And some more that want to respond right now. And some more that want to respond right now. You're ready for the Holy Ghost. Yeah, nothing can stop you. Four of a kind is trumpet a full house. If you want singers if you want singers we can do that <laughs> that's it if you need a healing, come on down there's some prayer warriors in the altar tonight if you need a miracle come on down there's some miracle workers in the altar tonight as God uses them Woo. hey he hi
0: He's holy, holy. He's God Almighty. Oh, I will lift you up and magnify your name. You are holy, holy. God Almighty, Lord Almighty, I will lift you up and magnify your name. Nip